episode of queer figures ha 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 it sure has been a long time since i recorded or released one of these oof okay i don't have a great excuse other than i'm in college and it's stressful and i was busy <laughs> yeah apparently taking four reading intensive courses at the same time during one semester is a bad idea and was stressful and not attainable and i shouldn't do that again on the bright side i had a really lovely time learning about um the works of william shakespeare medieval history postmodern british playwrights as well as the second theater history chronologically second it's technically the third theater history class i've taken because i took two at a time last year which were by the same professor on the same day and it was very confusing because i would not be able to differentiate what happened in one class versus what happened in another but yeah so i'm currently doing uh, my university offers a sort of it's like a winter term type set up so it's called we call it j term because it takes place in january so haha who needs full words when we have letters so for my j term it's basically one class that's like an accelerated course so we get a semester's worth of learning but we're only focusing on one class and it takes a month which also is a lot because i'm taking a 400 level course because i decided that i hated myself when setting up my schedule which what else is new but um yeah so to show that time has passed hopefully the audio quality has super increased for this because i got a really nice mic um courtesy of my dad thanks dad um <laughs> for christmas so it's very like nicer sound quality i hope than just me talking aimlessly into my iphone yeah so let's see i guess i'll give like a brief rundown of what's been going on in my world in case that's why anybody listens um yeah so like i said i'm taking an accelerated course this sort of like between semester semesters where um i'm taking a course about like banned books which is super interesting especially from an lgbtq perspective because that's often why books are challenged and or banned in libraries today because they have you know queer themes and people read that and they're like in my good christian library i don't think so so yeah that gets challenged a lot i'm doing my final project in that class on harry potter so i'm happy but yeah so i am actually i'm so that i don't get so horrendously behind and end up taking like a three-month hiatus in the middle of nowhere um i'm sort of hoping to do a thing where i'll like pre-record episodes because i feel like that'll be like more fun and easier so that when i have like times when I'm not super stressed and scheduled like madly assuming that such a time exists <laughs> um <laughs> nervous laughter um then I'll be able to like have content that I can put out so that it's not like so much of a you didn't do this therefore dead radio silence for like three months so you know, in summary, I'm not dead. I didn't forget about this podcast. I haven't finished this podcast because there are three episodes and hopefully it's actually going to get better after this. 
So, I mean, we can only pray that with time we all get better and self-improve. Anyway, um, so today for the topic, um, I actually did part of the research for this over summer. So, you know, <laughs> the first half of this will be as surprising to me as it is to you because I wrote it three months ago. But I wanted to do um, Tennessee Williams as the focus for this episode because reason, <laughs> the backstory as to why I chose this was because I went to New Orleans uh, this summer for a week, which was an amazing city. The food was fantastic. I want to eat red beans and rice for the rest of my life, if at all possible. Um, yeah, so me and my mother went to uh, New Orleans because she had an immersion weekend for her university because she's going to grad school, getting those degrees. And I had turned 20. And so I was like, I'll go with you. Well, she was like, you can go with me. And I was like, super tight. And it was actually low key awful because my ID had expired. So I had to get like frisked at the airport both ways, which was not fun. Because you know, I don't care how excited I am for a trip, having somebody stick their hand down my shorts is never a fun experience, but it's fine. We lived through it. My ID is now up to date and will stay that way for the rest of time because never again. But um, yeah, so, but we stayed in this hotel that was called the Pontchartrain. It's in the Garden District of New Orleans, if you're familiar with it. Um, And it was, first of all, super cool. It had a fainting couch and I, you know, took a ridiculous amount of photos fainting on the fainting couch. Well, fainting, well, you know swooning dramatically because I'm a theater major and even though I am not on stage performing I have to get that extra drama out somehow and also there's a framed picture of Tennessee Williams over the bed because the Pontchartrain is where Tennessee Williams wrote his famous play A Streetcar Named Desire which is actually based off of the streetcar systems or at least named off of the streetcar systems in New Orleans which is like awesome or New Orleans I don't know I'm not a local don't judge me on how I pronounce things. I mean, you can judge me, but like, be nice, please. But yeah, it was super cool. I was in Jackson Square and it started raining and it was kind of a shame because I'd been trying to sketch the cathedral and, you know, back when I was like, I could draw. No, I really can't. So I was trying to sketch Jackson Cathedral and it started like absolutely pouring raining and I didn't have any form of rain gear and so I basically spent that afternoon in the French Quarter hiding under balconies and trying to very slowly make my way back towards the trolley station so I could go back to the hotel and take a hot shower and um it was very funny because I ended up on Bourbon Street in the daytime which was weird um but they were doing like construction on it for some reason probably because it needed to be construction I don't know I was like how dare they do construction on Bourbon Street while I was there. It's forbidden. How could you do this to me? Anyway, so it was really cool. Um, but yeah, so I was on Bourbon Street and I like paused under like this archway to sort of reorient myself with Google Maps so that I wouldn't, you know, end up having to walk through construction because that's never a good plan. And these two dudes were like smoking in like the middle of a rainstorm, just sort of watching it. And they're like, in like the strongest Lucy accent, Louisiana accent I've ever heard and I'm gonna try and replicate it and it's gonna be bad so you're just gonna have to bear with me here they were like sister you're all soaking wet this is Nolens. it'll pass stay here a while and I was sort of like oh my god you talk like that in real life but then I was also like I'm already soaked to the bone I can't get much wetter I'm just gonna make a break for the streetcar so I can meet my mother for lunch but um 
Yeah, so it was a super great trip. I had a lovely time and I was like, I got to do Tennessee Williams in honor of this. So I decided I would because he wrote in New Orleans. He lived in New Orleans for a brief period of time and like his whole, he was like heavily inspired for Streetcar Named Desire by like the vibe of New Orleans. So he's kind of, you know, he's known for his southern, um, sort of like southern gothic playwriting style or not really southern gothic I it's just sort of southern America playwriting style so it's sort of interesting anyway let's dive on in so Tennessee Williams was born Thomas Lanier Williams the third gotta love a good pretentious name on March 26 of 1911 in Columbus Mississippi so he was sort of like the middle kid. He had a older sister and a younger brother. Um, and their parents' names were Cornelius and Edwina, which are some pretty wacky names. Love that. Love a good wacky name. I think we're going to name a cat Edwina later. Um, so he had a pretty rough relationship with his dad because his dad was like super devoted to like his work and was not so devoted to his parenting. Yay! Um, so his parents had kind of a strained marriage, um, and they eventually relocated the family to St. Louis, and that did not help the strained marriage, and it caused a lot of tension, but that also, like, really influenced Tennessee Williams' craft, which, you know, I am, like, not big on the whole, to be a good artist, you must suffer for your art, and that's the only way to reach truth, but then I'm also, like, he wrote some pretty slapping plays that were based in his suffering, so, like, awkward shrug emoji anyway um so yeah his mom was heavily influenced in amanda from the glass menagerie if any of y'all are familiar um i read that in my theater class in high school and it was sad <laughs> but also good and i did the blue roses monologue as part of my grade for that class ironically enough wearing a dress covered in blue roses which was not intentional but kind of thematic and his dad uh, was a big inspiration for Big Daddy and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, which I read in a different theater class because I'm a theater major and I've read quite a lot of plays. And I'll talk about that a little bit later into the episode. Ooh, foreshadowing. Anyway, so in 1929, he enrolled at the University of Missouri for journalism, but his father withdrew him after he found out that his girlfriend attended the same university. So gotta love that. Um, so he worked as a sales clerk for a shoe company for a while and absolutely hated it. And he'd like do writing and stuff on like his off hours, but like it was a strenuous job and it was like, didn't give him a lot of time or freedom or individuality. And for us artistic types, that's hell. So, um, he did eventually end up having a nervous breakdown about it and it was really bad. But as he recovered, he returned to St. Louis and then sort of connected with some like writer friends that he had there and eventually returned to college in 1937 at the University of Iowa and then graduated a year later in 1938. So good for him. Uh, the next year he moved to New Orleans and changed his name to Tennessee, which was actually, it was based off of where his dad like was from. So he was like, yeah, Tennessee. And it's also kind of a cool name, Tennessee Williams. Like it's definitely not an original, like he definitely wasn't named that from birth as we know, because his real name was like Thomas, but Tennessee Williams, that sounds like a, that's a cool name, has a punch, packs a punch, what am I talking about? Anyway, moving on. Um, so yeah, and then he sort of revamped his writing career while there. So, um, 
one of his plays won a hundred dollars from the group theater writing contest um which sort of caught the attention of Audrey Ward, who became his agent and also, like, a friend. So that sort of helped him really, like, start to make it big in the world of playwriting. So in 1940, his play Battle Angels debuted in Boston. And fun fact about Boston, if you're making theater there, it takes not a whole lot to get it, like, banned for obscenity because um at least back in the olden days people would post if it's banned in boston because they had like sort of a reputation for banning any like edgy theater stuff so you know so people would try and like hype their stuff in new york and they'd be like it was banned in boston and they're like ooh, that means it has like boobs so you know <laughs> sort of just neat fact anyway so um yeah but the play that he debuted in Boston is called Battle Angels and it flopped but he rewrote it as Orpheus Descending and that didn't flop in fact it was adopted into film as Fugitive Kind as The Fugitive Kind The Fugitive Kind ha 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 as The Fugitive Kind with Marlon Brando as one of the stars which is like ooh he's hot in like an old-timey way anyway so other big hits kind of included The Glass Menagerie which is also widely considered one of his most biographical pieces because of, like, it talks about, like, his strained relationship with his mother. And then it also talks about sort of, like, the tragedy that was his sister, which is really depressing. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with, like, the whole point of this podcast, which is LGBT themes. So I didn't really include it. But if you want to get sad, look it up. <laughs> her name is Rose, and it will make you upset. But Laura is based off of her. Anyway... Um, so, yeah, then, like, he came out with A Streetcar Named Desire, which, like, is referenced in an awesome Panic at the Disco song, um, but also is beautifully depressing, and so it was written at the Pontchartrain, which was the hotel I was in, and they have, like, a framed copy in the lobby of, like, like, the, like, draft kind of thing, where it was, like, like, in typeset kind of on like big paper it was really cool and I was geeking out hardcore and I feel like the folks at the front desk were judging me but it's fine um so yeah and then other hits of his include um Camino Real I assume I'm pronouncing that right that's one of the ones I haven't read and then Cat on a Hot Tin Roof which is what we read in my um drama theater studies 101 class and we read it when we were discussing queer theory, which is awesome and should be discussed in all English classes slash classes that do like literary analysis. But that's just my two cents. Anyway, um, and then he also wrote like The Sweet Bird of Youth and a bunch of other titles. So he's considered one of America's like great playwrights, like kind of on the same level as like Arthur Miller with Death of a Salesman and all that stuff, which if you're not super into the theater scene and don't know about that, well, I'm a theater major. If you have people who are more related to your interests, shoot me an email and I'll cover them too. Anyway, <laughs> so um, later in life, William struggled a lot with like addiction and was eventually hospitalized. Um, he struggled with addiction to prescription painkillers and then also to alcohol so alcoholism but yeah so it was very sad and he sort of went on kind of like a spiral it started in the 60s and just sort of kept going through the end of his life and he was on a downward turn as critics said both artistically and like mentally which is 
the sickest burn I've ever heard and I if somebody describes me like that I will immediately take like 80 psychic damage like that oof anyway um so after he was released he wrote a couple of other pieces possibly most famous and most related to what we're going to talk about in like two seconds here memoirs where he talks about his life and his experiences so eventually he does die from choking on a bottle cap that he used to take his pills sort of surrounded by pill and wine bottles in a hotel room in new york city in 1983 so it's super super sad yay gotta love that i'm smiling and i'm speaking in an upward inflection but know that i'm now in a sad mood anyway let's talk about the lgbt part because that's sort of what the whole point of this podcast is and if it was just to be sad about playwrights it would be a very well, it would be both broader and narrower. Anyway, so in his memoirs, Williams describes his love affair with Frank Merlo, um, who was, he was like really emotionally attached to, and unfortunately Frank Merlo died of lung cancer, and Williams went on kind of like a seven-year depression spiral afterwards, because that's what happens when the love of your life dies. You get real sad, and it's not happy for anyone. Yeah. And he also describes, like, hookups he had with gents that he'd sort of, like, picked up in bars and all that sort of stuff. So, yes, so he's considered kind of problematic as, like, a queer literary person uh, because a lot of his, like, sort of gay characters either, like, die or are kind of, like, only on like side characters and stuff so they're not super well I guess well written in a modern sense of like you know they have a happy ending and you know our main characters which is you know obviously the ideal and I would love 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 if somebody cough cough Disney cough cough someone made you know a lesbian princess movie but you know that's just what I would hope but a lot of people also argue that he wrote from a place of truth for his time period and his experiences as a gay person in a very restrictive society in a restrictive time period when it came to like sexual expression and sexual identity. So people are sort of in the middle. Um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is most om- most commonly cited as his like example of writing like gay <laughs> writing gay um you know like writing like gay characters and stuff the main character of a cat on a hot tin roof is sort of widely considered to be in the closet um and so there's all sorts of like you know people being like "Ooh, that's why their marriage is falling apart and "Ooh, that's why he is such a tumultuous relationship with his father and then there's also the whole concept of like queer theory when you're reading um modern plays you can look at it through that lens which is sort of the idea that like everything kind of exists on a spectrum including and especially sexuality um where it's sort of like like some days you're like ooh, girls are super hot and then someday you're like hmm guys are super hot and the problem with queer theory is that it doesn't take as much like thought into like other forms of sexuality like um asexuality and it also doesn't really look outside of a gender binary which is problematic but it's an older form of theory and it was kind of revolutionary in the thought that like 
woo, look at that. Maybe it isn't just like identity politics where bi people don't exist, they're just gay people who can't come out all the way, which is a very biphobic thing that people like to say, sometimes to me, sometimes to my friends. It's upsetting. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, so that's Tennessee Williams. Yeah, cool. Always, I never close this well. One day I'll find a good closing. I was actually thinking it might be kind of a cool thing or maybe it's just a weird thing. I don't know. Um, that I would end this with like kind of like, okay, backstory here. I'm a giant nerd. I learned how to read and write in elvish runes from Lord of the Rings in like late high school because I was like, hmm, what should I do to ostracize myself from my peers more? Doodle all over all of my notes and homework in a foreign alphabet. That would be a fun way to make sure that everyone in the school thinks I'm weird and or crazy. Well, it didn't quite work because I was a senior and everybody knew me at that point, but um, they already knew I was weird and crazy. But uh, because the Elvish runes from Lord of the Rings are based off of old Futhark runes, I kind of inadvertently learned those as well. And then I was interested in that and I went down kind of a rabbit hole. And long story short, I ended up making a set of rune stones, um, like the things that you can like pull one out and it'll tell your future. And I'm like, ooh. And so... Um, I'm, yeah, I'm what I, I consider personally a non-practicing witch, um, which means that I'm super interested in it, but I'm also like, I don't want ghosts in my house. Nah, fam. But basically, long story short, which you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Literally anything. Oh, well, this is what it's like being friends with me. I go off of tangents on tangents on tangents. Anyway, but, um, so yeah, I was thinking it might be kind of cool to close out the episodes, from now on kind of a thing with like I'll pull a rune stone out and be like this is the Thor rune this is what it means um kind of like a zodiac but not a zodiac if that makes sense or a not a not a zodiac it's a horoscope is when you're getting which is involved with the zodiac I don't know stuff this is why I don't practice witchcraft because I don't know what's going on like 80% of the time unless it's one of my niche like interests anyway Yes, I was thinking of instituting that. I'm not going to do that this episode, though, because I don't want to scare people. Because um, they might be like, okay, that gay shit, we're on board. Witchcraft, get that Satanism out of here. And I don't know, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. So if you think it's a good idea, mostly if you're listening to this episode, you probably know me personally. This does not have a huge listener base to my knowledge. But if you don't know me personally, or if you can't get in contact with me, which is actually very probable, I've been having issues with my SIM card. Ha 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 ha. My dad thought I was dead and or kidnapped. It was great. Not really. Anyway, um, feel free to email uh, queerfigures at gmail.com. Or if you want to be less like formal or something, or if you just want to be like, I love your podcast and I want to know when you post episodes. But I also want to be cool and be on Instagram. Um, I do have an Instagram for this podcast, which I will be posting a new post that's like, yo, check out this new episode of the podcast once I post this, which will actually not be the day that I'm recording this. I'm recording this like on the 19th and this probably isn't going to go up until like the last day of January because I am going to try and keep on the bi-monthly schedule. I'm so sorry. I went so off of it for so long. God, I'm a mess. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so feel free to like reach out on email or reach out to the Instagram page if you have like opinions on this or if you have somebody that you're like 
yo, you should really cover this person. I think they're awesome and nobody ever talks about them. So I've got kind of a list going that I've been keeping of just like people that I want to do um, episodes on and I don't want to like spoil anything. But I think like some of them might surprise you. Some of them probably won't surprise you because they're well known. And then some of them you're like, what? Or at least I was like, what? When I heard about them. Although who's to, who's, who's to say? I'm not always the most well-informed person because I tend to be really well-informed on very specific subjects and then know nothing about anything else, which means I'll win Jeopardy one day, but only a very specific Jeopardy. Anyway, how did I get on this topic? Oh yeah, follow us on Instagram. Feel free to like DM the Instagram account if you want to get my attention or send an email, which I also haven't checked while this whole thing has been on hiatus. So maybe you guys have been sending me emails and I've just been really shitty and ignoring them, which I promise was not intentional. It's just, I was, I was having anxiety because I hadn't done any of this and then I felt like I couldn't devote the time to this podcast that it deserved to do it well so I was like I'm just gonna go on a quick break and the quick break ended up being like three months yay okay well I think that about wraps it up so have a lovely rest of your month and hopefully if all goes well and nothing else in my life explodes and I don't have hours and hours of homework where I have to read a new Shakespeare play every week um I will (laughs) update more frequently and I will have another episode out to you lovelies on the 15th of February so yay exciting we're back on track baby and now I'm going to edit this down because hopefully when you're listening to this you'll be like wow that was so smooth and connected and it was not because it never is. Anyway, I'll probably edit that up too, because I was weird. I don't know why I said that. Okay. I'll see you lovelies. Well, no, I won't. Damn it. Okay. One day I'll figure out how to close this stupid episode. I will talk to you lovelies again, hopefully on the 15th, if all goes well. Best of luck in the new month. Best of luck for the new decade. Best of luck for the new year. Best of luck just in general. Have a lovely rest of your day. Bye-bye.